Soothing orange shades of light Inside the folds of my world Drifting in a haze of thoughts Down a wide-angled road on my own The ocean sky lies overhead. Cloud of wind where we Okay, hi everybody. We are back with the second of our zodiacal episodes. This one focusing on Taurus the bull and its place in tarot. We're going to be dealing with astrological significations of Taurus and its associated cards. Principle among those is principal among those is the Hierophant. And then we'll also be talking about the five, six, and seven of pentacles or discs, which are the minor arcana of Taurus. And we'll be talking about the knight of pentacles or prince of discs, uh, who holds two decans of Taurus, and then the king or knight of swords who holds the last or shadow decan of Taurus. We'll also be mentioning in passing the related planetary and elemental majors. Okay, so uh, so Taurus is the first of our yin signs. Its polarity is that of night. It's nocturnal, or you could say it's feminine. It is receptive or passive, none of which really sums up exactly what that means. But in terms of those dualities, it's on the nocturnal side. Uh, so that's the polarity. And then the triplicity, the elemental triplicity is the triplicity of Earth, which it shares with Capricorn and Virgo. And then finally, we have the modality or quadruplicity fixed. So there are four f- fixed signs, um, Taurus, Aquarius, Scorpio, and Leo. You could also call them the Karubic signs. The Karubic signs, exactly. Which associate get, with the, the caribs of, you know, the corners of the zodiac. Yeah, and the watcher stars, the royal stars. We see those Karubic signs kind of manifesting all over, all over the tarot. Mm-hmm. I guess because they're really the anchor points of, of our universe at some level. Finally, it's a Venus-ruled sign, of course. So shall we start right in on qualities of Taurus? Sure. Well, we'll say first that the um, the motto of Taurus is I have. And I'm not giving it up. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I have and I'm keeping it. Yeah. But what strikes me the most is the, the real contrast between Aries and Taurus. I For mean, sure. one is cardinal and fiery and one is fixed and earthy. One is yang, one is yin, one is like groundbreaking and one is planting. <laughs> you know, exactly. they, they, they both go together and really contrast each other. That's right. And it's interesting that we go straight from fire to earth because I don't know, I, I just sort of contrast it with our sort of Kabbalistic understanding of the world going from fire to water to air to earth. But from mm-hmm. fire to earth, you kind of go straight from the most volatile you know, element right. to the one that's the only a one that box, holds its own form. Into a wall. <laughs> <Yes. right? laughs> Kablam. <laughs> right. You know, uh, 
in the last Aries episode, I said that my kind of like funny keyword that I use for Aries is the Enterprise, mm-hmm. as in you know the ship, the Enterprise. Mm-hmm. But for for Taurus, it's the potato, <laughs> <laughs> the spud, the homely spud. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. Yeah. We have two signs of Venus, but the thing about Earth is that it holds its form. It doesn't go anywhere. It is, you know, the the patience and the stolidity and the the yeah, love. It's the only <laughs> element that holds a form, actually. Yeah, yeah, Matter. the love of the so, status quo. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's the most material of material. Um, yeah of material signs. I mean, in Capricorn and Virgo, we definitely see a great deal of comfort dealing with matter, but Taurus is matter. <laughs> it's yeah. not going anywhere. And, and as being the earthy side of Venus, Venus expressing through earth is about pleasures through the senses, mm-hmm. you know, sensory pleasures. And, and Taurus really connects with sensory pleasures. They, they, you know, they they do like fine things. They have very good taste. They want things to hold their value. They want to have good food. They, they're very tactile. They like things that are soft and, and feel feel good. You know, they're, they're luxury, you know. So that's like Venus expressing herself through the love of the luxury and of the senses, of the sense pleasures. Yes. When I think of the beauty of Venus in air, it's like the beauty of the law, you know, the symmetry mm-hmm. and the sort of like rightness. And, yes. um, but this is the actual beauty of the world around us and everything that our body cleaves to, you know, everything that makes our body happy and comfortable. Food and music and art, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of, um, they're collectors and investors too, you know? Yeah, especially of the things. I mean, I think especially museums are tourist places, you know, the things that you can touch above all. I almost think that in terms of music, I think of that almost as more of a Libra side of Libra things thing, because yeah. it's air. Yeah, I, I suppose you know? maybe, yeah, you're right. You know, but just that love of fine things and, you know, anything that you can take in, touch, feel. Also, the big difference between between the episode we just did in Aries, you know, this is about not only holding, but unifying and connecting, whereas the last one was, was about separating and destroying. And one of the terrible things that happens in warfare, of course, is that the previous civilization is destroyed. It's, it's works of art. It's works of beauty. Go first. Yeah, all the things that you want to endure. And, you mm-hmm. know, endurance is a really good keyword for Taurus. It wants things to endure. It wants things to hold their value. It wants to hold on to things. Doesn't want things to change, usually. <laughs> it's interesting because also agriculturally, I mean, this is the most agricultural of signs and, yeah, the and fertile. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's sort of like we broke the ground with the iron plow, but you need the bull to cultivate the fields. You need the bull to plant it and make and it fertilize grow. the fields. And fertilize it for sure. <laughs> 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 absolutely yeah because in our hemisphere is a really fertile yeah. sign you know oh absolutely to, yeah it's one of the you know signs you would consider fertile for planting taurus and cancer above all i think yep. yeah and uh, you know and that's kind of that relationship of the moon in both of them yeah, right you know because because the moon is exalted in taurus oh yes. yeah we didn't do dignities so yep. yeah so uh venus of course rules taurus and the moon is exalted in taurus the only other thing we have, there's nothing in fall in, in Taurus, but we have nope. um, Mars in detriment. So, you know. Yeah, so that makes sense. You know, Venus 
Ruler, Mars, detriment. Because <laughs> the opposite sign to Taurus is Scorpio, which is one of the places Mars rules. <laughs> yes. You know, it's funny to think of like trying to mix those signs and what happens. Like you think of trying to beat somebody up with like her fan right. or something, you know? Yeah, and, right. Or you think of Mars trying to plow his field with like a scalpel or, you know, or yeah, right. like a knife. <laughs> this just or doesn't work brush. all that well. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to talk not just about the agricultural and fertile qualities um, and the value of fine things, but also money. You know, there's a yeah. there's a real well, comfort a with money. That's the ultimate possession is money. Exactly. It's how the you know things resource. are valuable. Yeah, because mm-hmm. Taurus is all about resources, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. and things of value. So what's the ultimate resource? is is cash money (laughs) cash money (laughs) the other contrast i think of when i think of the transition from from aries to taurus is the irresistible force meets the immovable object (laughs) yes i was listening to the astrology podcast just earlier today i was listening to the taurus segment and they're like, you know, if you want a tourist to kind of change the way they are, you're going to have a long wait. <laughs> yeah. yeah, very long or maybe never, but yeah, they might. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're definitely like the strong, silent type. Yeah, we both have a lot of experience with that tourist energy because we're married to it's, fixed. You know, yeah, it's very, very good in a crisis, I find, though, mm-hmm. you know, the, the yeah. very rooted, the, the rooted, grounded quality is that's what you want around you in a crisis. You don't want somebody who's going to run around like a chicken with their head cut off and freak right. out you know you, the, the right. that's what i appreciate about the the fixed energy is that it doesn't do that so much yeah and they have stamina you know it's like once yep. it takes a long time to get going maybe but once they get yeah, going right, right. you know it's just like they can just keep going all day you know really remember that story we told about like finding the boulder in the road and how the yeah. you know the Aries jumps with his mountain climbing equipment and jumps over it and the and the tourist just like drills through it for seven years <laughs> you know, and eventually there's a road whereas the Virgo just like or goes the Sagittarius <laughs> just goes around you know I mean it's just there you adapt <laughs> yeah. so shall we look at the the Hierophant in terms of these qualities. I I suspect that when tarot readers encounter the zodiacal correspondences for the first time, maybe a bunch of our tourist friends might be disappointed (laughs) to to realize they're so sensual and they're so sexual and, you know, such lovers of beauty. And you give me the hierophant, you know? Yeah, I know. know? I've heard that many times. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I think with all of these zodiacal qualities, really... I mean, the majors, we have to look beyond the the initial facets uh, that we see on the face of the majors because there's so much going on just beneath the surface. Yeah. Especially with the Hierophant, which it really is such a profoundly spiritually sexual card. It's just not yeah. shown on the on the face of it. Right. The Hierophant is literally the bridge builder, the union the of... The, the nail, <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> it's the marriage of the divine and the mundane, but it's also coition. It's also the joining of male and female, you know, or masculine and feminine forces, yin and yang. It's yeah. the bringing yeah, together. The, that union and joining, I mean, it really fits both with the nail and with the, uh, even with the bull and the plow, they're connected by the yoke. That's Also the lock and the key. 
Yep. <laughs> right. There's there's some sexual um, symbolism there that's kind of subtle or or not so subtle. <laughs> <laughs> the he is the keeper of the keys, and you know where there are keys, there are doors. Traditionally, and that's interesting because mm-hmm. the uh, the empress is the door. Right. Right, right, right. Good point. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. And it was once the Hierophant was a card of marriage. It was meant to symbolize that. And it's just that meaning has drifted away over the years. And it's sort of like now we tend to read it more as an institutional kind of solidity. But it's all connected. It's interesting, too, like the way our modern attitudes are about like a priest figure as compared to, you know, the the word Hierophant or mm-hmm. comes from the Eleusinian mysteries, you know, it, it was always more associated with that pleasures of the land kind of thing. Absolutely. To render the land fertile, you would have a hedonistic festival, you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> you would yep. have orgies. You would have all sorts of people getting it on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, the, the, those mysteries, they were the, basically the rites of Demeter, Venus, mm-hmm. you know, um, mm-hmm. Demeter and Persephone and those, those stories about the Earth's fertility and fecundity. Right. If you think about the qualities of Taurus as expressed in the card, you know, there's a number of things you can see. I mean, like in the Thoth card, you can literally see lots of Taurus imagery, mm-hmm. you know. He's sitting on a bull and the elephant, et cetera. Elephant, yeah. Right. And we have the four fixed signs in the corner. And there's the Venusian figure in the foreground. Exactly. The woman satisfied. Yes. <laughs> yes. And the rose window in the background. And in the Rider-Waite-Smith card, I think that the stone pillars really kind of are a reminder of the solidity, the sort of like not going anywhere qualities mm-hmm. of Taurus. But the keys... To me, those are specifically about that idea of union, sexual union and transmission. The idea Mm -hmm. that, you know, this is how you're going to get from one place to the other. I was thinking about this and trying to think, you know, sort of what aspects of sex we were talking about. And it's not specifically reproductive, you know. It's really more about the sort of recognition of the other, taking the other into yourself, exchanging, I don't know, the cosmic rhythm of sex, (laughs) you know, in the sense that it's by sustaining that interest and that sort of excitement in the other, that's what creates fertility. That's what causes the flowers to grow. That's what attracts the bee. It's that mutual attraction and magnetism, I guess. Yeah, that's Venus's major quality to draw things to her. Yeah, and pleasure, really. You know, I was just thinking about how strange it is that the six of pleasure is not the six of pentacles, but the six of cups. But there's something interrelated between those two. Well, you know, sexy sixes. We say that all the time. In the Rider-Waite-Smith card, there's always those two acolytes. There's a quality of teaching about the Hierophant that I think is also part of Taurus. Yeah, I mean, the the word means something like revealer of the mysteries. Exactly. That's exactly what it means, revealer of the sacred. And it's like, in order to reveal it, you need to have an audience. (laughs) You need to have someone to share this with. Yeah. (laughs) That's your function as a bridge. Yeah. Yeah. And though we don't necessarily think of Taurus as a teacher, we always think of the Hierophant as a teacher. So there's, you know, there's, there's something about that. Um, I don't know, the patience and the willingness to get the message across no matter how long it takes. Mm. 
Yeah. There's something also about the role of the church as a, you know, as a tender of the flock, you know, I mean, again, with the agricultural metaphors, there's this idea of the church as a guardian, as a safe keeper. And to me, that's also a bit of its Taurus Funch. A sanctuary. Yeah. Yeah. It's sort of like, you know, banks are sanctuary for money. Church Mm -hmm. is sanctuary for people. (laughs) Maybe it's because of my own chart, because I have Taurus on the nadir, but I always associate mm-hmm. Taurus with the homestead, Makes the comfort, sense. the comfort yeah. of home, the homestead where you grow your food and have your your pleasures. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. We should probably talk about the planetary and elemental majors that go with that. We've yeah, got, we kind of mentioned them without without mentioning that first, <laughs> right? And uh, and that's the Empress, of course, for Venus. And you mentioned that she's associated with the door. Yep. Dalet, yes, exactly. The Hebrew letter Dalet. I think that she's the great mother figure. I think that she is the source of the fecundity and fertility of Taurus. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's interesting that she is associated with alchemical salt. And I always mm-hmm. think of Taurus as like another keyword for Taurus is salt of the earth. Mm. That's good. Yeah. Um, and also she's a Demeter figure, you know, and I think of like, if you think of the Empress and her relationship with the world, the world being, you know, Perception. the elemental major. Yeah, yeah, the world is yep. the daughter, too. We are all the daughter, we are all the mother, but there's something specifically in this sort of like generative and regenerative qualities of the earth and the world card that kind of refer to that story of mother and daughter. I think of actually uh, all stories of Earth as having something to do with the return of the daughter to the mother. If you look at the Persephone myth itself, and maybe we should talk about this in the myth, but there's like the separation and the sort of bringing underground, and then there's the return. And you can kind of see that in that Capricorn, Taurus, Virgo sequence, the Mm -hmm. darkness. Mm Yeah. Yeah. Just a thought that in from going from Aries to Taurus, we kind of go from swords into plowshares. That's like mm. you conquer the right. land. Now you have to grow stuff on your, it. So everyone will survive. Plowshares. Yeah. 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 If we talk about the separate decans of Taurus, the linchpin of, is, of course, the six, which is, is that associated with Beltan? It probably is. Yeah. Yes, it is. So that's associated with Beltan, which is, you know, the May Day festival, the planting on one side, harvest on the other, if you're talking about hemispheres. I think what I associate with these three decans is, you know, if you break down the decans of worry, success, and failure. The first one is kind of like the possessiveness of the bull, you know, the the worrying about not having enough resources um, and what you're going to do about that. And then the second one is it's libido, (laughs) I guess, you know. um, And generosity. And and generosity. And and enjoyment of sense pleasures. Yeah, Ferdinand the bull. (laughs) Yeah, right, right, munching flowers. Exactly. But also the, you know, prolific... uh, the prolifically fertile qualities of the bull. For the seven of pentacles or discs, I actually think of the patience and stamina of the bull or ox, really. With Saturn ruling the deck in the the endurance aspect is is there for sure. Yeah, I'm just thinking of that long, long day of, um, you know, in the hot sun and how the 
how the ox or bull just steadily works away until it's time to go home. No matter what, you know, you don't get to see right. the results. But it's, it's, yeah. And, you know, like we talked about in the episode that that seven card is where the six is the Garden of Eden, you know, fertile right. and, and growing. The seven is the fall where it's expulsion and man condemned to everlasting toil. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. The, the five looking ahead to the six and the seven looking back to the six, each of them trying to achieve that perfect moment that will allow food to germinate and for the species to survive. When I look at the, the Wade Smith cards, they're mm -hmm. especially, they remind me of Taurus's motto of I have, because it's kind of like the haves and the have nots, you know, you get that yeah. central beckon of generosity and having and, and, and sharing the wealth there. And then uh, on either side, there's this, this lack, this not having. The Thoth Five of Discs does such a good job of representing that, you know, inverse pentacle, the, the matter over spirit thing mm -hmm. where it's, you know, th this obsession with trying to make sure there's going to be enough. Right. Because it's the Mercury ruling the Deccan. So it's the mind thinking about what it has or doesn't have. Exactly. Or worrying exactly. about what it doesn't have or may not have. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the Deccan imagery for all three of them is so agricultural, more so than kind of others. I don't know. They all seem to have to do with like, <laughs> with like going to war or, or working the land or, you know, there's not, there's some merchant trade kind of yep. Deccan imagery too. But this is specifically about working the land. The very first one mentions the, that exact phrase, the geometry. Notice the second one. <laughs> oh, yes, that's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah, they both do. And the first one is more mercurial. So in terms of knowing the arts of geometry, the, the laying out of the fields and the right. sort of, you know, Plot, plotting out the garden. And the second one in terms of working the land. Oh, this is the one, the nude man with a key. <laughs> Yes, quote unquote, the key in his hand. <laughs> Interesting because its signification has to do with nobility and rewarding the people. Sometimes you see them see the figure as the nude man with the key. Sometimes he's like a ragged figure with a torn shirt and a body like a camel. I don't even know what that means. Yeah, I think Picatrix has him covered with torn cloth, and and then in yeah. the Agrippa, he's he's naked with the key, quote unquote. <laughs> Yeah. So maybe the naked with the key thing has to do with like having the keys to the strong box and, you know, yeah. largesse of giving out the, the, what people need, you know, yep. getting the stimulus check. <laughs> huh. But, you know, but it's funny. The, the writer weight actually has kind of both images on it. You know, the guy handing out stuff and also the ragged people. Mm -hmm. uh, it's interesting and then the final one yeah. sloth poverty misery necessity body like an elephant <laughs> Pikatrix man yeah, uh, but also yeah. they have the uh, I think it's Agrippa who has the guy with in one hand a serpent quote unquote serpent and yeah. the other hand an arrow a dart quote unquote dart yeah. he's got two <laughs> <laughs> that's a fairly forbidding figure and kind of cryptic but maybe what he's yeah. doing is safeguarding what he's worked on you know in these decans right i don't know i mean what do serpents and darts have in common they, they <laughs> both you know have well besides being extremely <laughs> phallic, uh you know they both pierce well yes so does, well yes <laughs> yes that's true that's true <laughs> Yeah, and also serpent as, you know, being a creature of the earth, you know, being close to the earth, being in some senses Saturnine. Uh, you know, and it also reminds me of like the serpent being the cause of 
the everlasting misery of man having to work for his living kind of a thing. Mm. But um, yeah, 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 the significations of Agrippa say necessity and profit, also misery and slavery. But that's interesting, you know, yeah. necessity and profit. It, you know, it kind of shows that Saturnine aspect. It totally know. does. It's sort of like, you know, as opposed to what life was like in the Garden of Eden, where everything was provided for you, literally in Providence, you know, this is where you you really have to sweat. You know, you live by the sweat of your brow to make yep. things happen and to uh, take care of yourself. And I think that the difficulty of that is expressed in the seven of mm-hmm. discs. Yeah. Right. It isn't just handed out to you. No, you have to work for it. And sometimes even then you're going to have problems. <laughs> right. It's not guaranteed. And yeah. you have to persevere and try again. The kind of magics you can do in Taurus, according to Agrippa, there's something you can do in the first phase of Taurus where you can cure hot infirmities, you know, because um, it's Taurus is cooling. It's Venusian that way. In yeah, both- Earth is cold and moist, right? Yeah. Yes, yes. But there's also love spells you can do, um, which Venus, makes a lot yes. of sense. Exactly. That whole six of six of um, pentacles sort of success, um, success and <laughs> love kind of thing. But the images of these spells both of them have like a maiden which you expect with beautiful hair that's spread out that's very venusian but the one for the love spell is so disturbing and (laughs) and so sexual i mean it's like it's a naked maid holding a looking glass but there's a chain around her which is held by a man (laughs) and there's a cupid like looking over them and the man what's interesting is that like the man is holding the chain in one hand but he's like you know stroking her hair with the other so there's like an there's a, there's a having and a holding and a possessiveness and mm. ownership that's very disturbing and also very torian but also a sense of of longing for someone of wanting to take care of someone Cupid, yeah Yep. Yeah, 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 of of loving possession. So problematic, very, I guess, 17th century, but, yeah. <laughs> you know, but at the same time, you kind of get a little bit of the sense of the Deccan and, you know, the arts of Venus, who is often actually herself described as having, as holding people in chains. You know, it's not, she's necessarily... Right, binding with the girdle, yeah, or the magic girdle, yeah. The... And there's also something, I think, in the Orphic hymn, yeah, no, that she holds people in like golden fetters or something like that, you know, unbreakable fetters. Um, and it's also interesting that Cupid's in the imagery because not only mm-hmm. is Cupid the son of Venus or Aphrodite, but, you know, Cupid's or mm-hmm. Eros function mm-hmm. was to, to bring things together to, to, you know, to yoke them together, to, to connect them. Yes. And create desire. And, and it's also interesting because I associate Cupid, you know, because of the Thoth card with the the next sign, Gemini. Mm-hmm, it's kind for of sure. like a progression yeah. there. Yeah. The lovers, you know, once you bring things together, well, then they... Right, right, right. And also, didn't they have... Uh, I'm trying to think of the children of Aphrodite's and Aries. I mean, there's different versions. They had Phobos and Deimos, Panic and Fear, mm-hmm. but also right. Eros and Aunt Eros, I've heard. Aunt Eros being unreciprocated love. And Harmonia. Harmonia mm-hmm. being, yep. um, I think you know, that was the only nice one of their, the their only nice one. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were either like terrible or mischievous. Harmonia, Harmonia being... definitely didn't want to go to the family reunion. <laughs> yes, <laughs> right. Yeah, and there's something in here about in that final decan, I think, about humility being, which is literally being close to the soil, 
and mm-hmm. remediation. Trying to make up for things that have gone wrong. Um, that's a double Venus card, too. As a seven. Mm-hmm. Venus as mm-hmm. a seven, Netzach, mm-hmm. and, and Venus right, as right, right. ruler of Taurus. Right, but then combined with Saturn, which, you know, they don't make yeah. happy bedfellows, as they say. <laughs> it's complicated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, another function of Taurus Deccans, I think you can give beauty, but also make people pleasant and cheerful which we all could use. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. All right. So shall we talk a little bit of mythology? Yeah. Okay. You know, Taurus the bull. There's, let's see, there's definitely, we already mentioned Demeter and Persephone's Mm -hmm. story, the Eleusinian mysteries. Yeah. Um, You know, a good bull story is the bull of heaven, you know, um, the Ishtar Gilgamesh one Mm -hmm. or Inanna Gilgamesh. Yeah. So Gilgamesh, you know, foolishly spurns the advances of Inanna. I associate that one with the five. Mm -hmm. She Mm -hmm. invokes or the bull of heaven as kind of like a destructive force and says she's going to break the gates of heaven so that the dead can become alive and eat everything and everyone or something like that. (laughs) Right, right. This incredible, powerful force. And then the struggle between them in which he succeeds in the six and conquering the bull of heaven, but then is punished for it. Yeah, you know, yeah. So Gilgamesh and Enkidu are part of that myth and and Enkidu gets sick and dies, but not Mm -hmm. before he has a dream that kind of foretells his sickness and death. He dreams of having being dressed in rags that brings in like the Deccan sure. imagery again and 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 having nothing to eat but dust and yeah uh, he does he does end up dying and that spurs Gilgamesh on to like his his quest for eternal life because he's afraid yeah there's a real um awareness of mortality in this sequence in the five yeah yeah, yeah especially there's a, the five. yeah I came yeah yeah mm-hmm. I I came across this really great myth of the Lakota Sioux that works fantastically for the five, six, and seven of pentacles. It's the myth of white buffalo calf woman. And it begins with like a drought, a famine, which is the yep. five, of course. And uh, the Lakota Sioux send out their two of their warriors to hunt. And yeah, and they encounter this beautiful maiden, you know, Venusian maiden, maiden mm-hmm. mysterious maiden. And one of them kind of approaches her in a lustful way and is incinerated in a cloud of ash but the other one bows down before her and this is kind of that six of pentacles moment bows down before her and she reveals herself to be a goddess and gives him the rights of the Sioux, which are these seven rights, like including the peace pipe rights, but they're basically how you're going to work the land, how you're going to survive, how you're going to live in harmony with the land. There are seven of them, which makes me think of the seven of pentacles, the, um, mm. the idea that you work these rituals, not knowing, you know, someday there, she's kind of like the Arthurian legend. You don't know if she's ever going to come back. She has that kind of myth of coming and then vanishing. Mm-hmm. Um, but you wait. If you keep the covenants, the seven covenants you've been given, then you will flourish. You will be able to survive. Yeah, that's a good one. It's a good one. What about um, Aldebaran, uh, Eye of the Bull? Oh, yeah. We didn't mention that. Yeah, Eye of the Bull. So that's the uh, royal watcher of the East means the follower. There's kind of dual... Dual meaning to the follower, you know, the follower as the the, the plow following the bull mm-hmm. or the Pleiades. It's the, the constellation of Taurus follows the Pleiades in the sky. The Pleiades is kind of embedded in it. Um, the Pleiades is like in the bull's neck mm-hmm. and the, the, um, mm-hmm. 
the Hyades, that's the other star cluster. So the Pleiades is a star cluster of seven stars, and so is the Oh, right, Hyades. yeah, again. Um, seven major ones. Like, there's actually more they've found, but... But they're yeah. both associated with both, like, reaping and sowing and with tears and, and rain. Um, mm-hmm. So that's, Yeah, it, it's the eye of the bull, isn't it? The sort of red yeah. eye of the bull. Mm-hmm. Yep. Sometimes they say the Pleiades is a cluster of grapes um, that at certain times of the year when um, when they're setting in the West, it looks like Orion is leaning over to pick them. So Orion's kind of associated a little bit because of the Osiris myth, and Osiris was often pr- portrayed as a bull. Which is oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And also the fact that Osiris, his sacrificed body was said to fertilize the land as well to make the crops mm-hmm. to grow. Yeah. Yeah. So the Osiris Isis myth, you know, the Inanna and, uh, or not Inanna, but Nana and Utu is the sun and sun and moon would be associated with the six being both associated with both oh, yeah. the moon ruling right. the Deccan and the sun as because it's a six, the six Sephira. Right. Ruler of the six Sephira. And then yeah. there's, you know, the Adam and Eve thing in, in the six and then the, the after the fall and the seven. Mm-hmm. In the seven, there's all those um, sacrificial myths like, you know, the seven sacrifices to the minotaur the seven weeping sisters of the hyades the um the seven lean years of pharaoh's dream right right oh and there's also the myth of um minos you know the the bull of poseidon you know yeah so so minos one of the myths associated with taurus i almost forgot about that one is europa Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so europa was the mother of Minos or Minos. That's right. That's right. And, yes. And, and then Minos was, you know, his wife was um, Pasiphae, who was cursed by Poseidon into having lust for a white bull and who she ultimately ma- mated with with the help of Daedalus. Right. And, and conceived the Minotaur. Right, 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 right. Yes, yes. And what happened, it was a punishment because Poseidon sent Minos this beautiful white bull and well, instead yes. of killing it, he... You know, he kept it for himself, yeah, having and holding. Himself, so Poseidon <laughs> was rightly pissed and said, okay, well, I'm going to make your wife fall in love with this bull you wanted and see how you like that. Exactly. <laughs> and, and then um, there's also Eo, who I think was turned into a cow by Hera because of Zeus's, you know, <laughs> infatuation mm-hmm. with her. And When Zeus approached Europa, he, he came the, in, the form, in the form of, of a bull, bull of yeah, a peaceful. Yeah, carried her yeah. off. They, they call it the rape, quote unquote, of Europa, but, but they it was more always like, called things yeah. rape, and it just exactly. meant that you, you were defiled by having sexual intercourse outside of marriage or whatever. Right, and it also referred to the abduction part of it, you know, being taken yeah. away. And the thing about that myth is that Zeus disguised himself as a beautiful, tame, peaceful bull before abducting her, and that's how he got her to climb on his back, and then, of course, he took her away. The capturing of the bull uh, by Heracles, I'm just sort of like, this is not one I knew, but I just happened to look up. I think this is the Cretan bull. Uh, It was actually his seventh Mm -hmm. task, speaking of seven. Ah, interesting. Yeah. I guess we should just cover the court cards because we need to. (laughs) So uh, in terms of court cards, we're talking about the Knight of Pentacles or Prince of Discs, the ever so patient worker of the land, the only knight or prince who, who, the the most immobile of them, the one who's got the giant chariot whose wheels sink in the earth. Or the black horse that is just standing. um, Just 
just standing. That horse is not going anywhere. And they're looking over the plowed fields with the arugula helmet. <laughs> this is the, the one who, as we mentioned in the last episode, has a poor relationship with the completed task. Um, yeah. The one who we want to... Uh, not fall asleep, but to keep working, keep steadily, you know, and I think actually the idea of completion as the shadow deccan is interesting because there is no completion if you're doing your job as a, you know, as a farmer, not until way, way later in the season. This is just about staying the course and making sure that every single thing gets done. Um, yeah. Every single field gets planted and before you have any indication that anything's going to result from it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, there's and, no resting that time of year if you if you want to grow food. Right. And uh and then we have the seven of discs or pentacles belonging to the king of swords or knight of swords. And you know, to me that kind of I often think of the that that court card as being rather intolerant of failure actually. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, not being um, able to cope. Fear of failure. <laughs> yes, even fear of failure. His ability to cut through, to to have clarity of mind, to to act, stems in part from his discomfort with the not knowing of the seven. Exactly. You know? I mean, this he's a, literally the know-it-all. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I, I often think of the King of Swords and Rider Waite Smith as being my, com I get him all the time when I'm grading. You know, failure no mercy, is never huh? far from no your mercy. mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, sees yeah, everything. Him, I'm, I'm often like, ah, oh, really? No mercy? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm a very soft-hearted grader, but there's also the part of me that just cannot help seeing everything that's wrong. Yeah. Yep. The the Nine of Swords is a for me very much, which is his final deck, and is for me very much a card of writing. And when I'm in King of Swords mode, every last thing that could be better about the writing is revealed to me, whether I like it or not. Yeah, mm -hmm. he's mostly Gemini, but then he's got that little bit of Taurus. Yeah, he's got that little bit of Taurus, and I think you know, uh, there's a gift in the shadow of that Taurus Deccan where if, if he can learn patience from that Deccan, then he'll do much better. Yes. Um, okay. So correspondences. Okay. Um, we'll do colors, I guess, first. Yeah. So uh, red orange is mm -hmm. the king scale color. And then uh, deep indigo, deep warm olive and rich brown. Yeah. All, all those beautiful colors of, mm -hmm. of man. Yeah. It's sort of like, you know, when I think about the red orange going to the deep warm olive and the rich brown, I, you know, I don't know. I kind of think of like the way the, the soil starts and then how it sort of gets more fertile and dark and, you know, productive as you work it kind of a thing. Yep. The, the neck and trachea and voice, I guess, the throat. Yeah, and that seems to be very closely connected to the Hierophant, you know, as a speaker of sacred truths. Yep. Mm -hmm. And a Definitely. teacher of them. Um, you think of the yeah. strong throat of the bull. Yep. I always think, as when I think of, you know, the throat and the voice, how many singers have really mm -hmm. powerful voices. And, and I think of Eric Burden. He was a Taurus and mm -hmm. he had some pipes. Deep, you know yeah. that deep where there is a house. <laughs> yes. Picatrix has all populated places, all plowed places. I don't necessarily think of 
population. Hmm. Well, populous, the people, is associated with the moon, which is exalted in Taurus. So there's that. Yeah, and actually, you know, speaking of geomancy, Amicio is associated with Taurus, which seems very much the five of of discs, you know, that first worry of loss. Yeah, or seven. Yes, yes, actually, both of them, in fact. And uh, it's associated of with uh, quadrupeds and hooved animals, of course. Yeah, I think I read somewhere that, um, you know, a Taurus is is fascinated by large animals. So, you know, if they're, <laughs> if, they, if they're at the zoo, they'll go right to the, you know, giraffes and elephants. And, oh, no and... kidding. Huh. <laughs> I that's don't know if that's true. Yeah, but that's cool. Uh, ruminants, probably. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, right. Yeah. But also Venusian creatures like the sparrow and the dove and the swan, those guys. Mm. There's so many food and plant references for Taurus. The potato. I know. I mean, in a sense, like all all food, right? (laughs) Yeah, all Taurus, all food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, let me tell you. Pack a snack. Pack a few. (laughs) Don't leave home without it. (laughs) Um, The myrtle, the rose, the clover. Apples, cedars, cherries, uh, yeah, patchouli and vanilla. Things, mm-hmm. like, all Venusian yeah. things. Yeah, all Stones, fruiting things. I think, are either topaz or sapphires. The, yeah. The metal, copper, which is Venus's metal, obviously. But also um, brass, I've heard, um, as a mixture of sort of like a more beautiful mixture and durable mixture of metals, alloys. Uh, pink, green, and blue stones, too. So like rose quartz um, mm. and... Yeah, you said uh, sapphire, um, lapis lazuli sometimes, although that's also of Jupiter. Uh, turquoise also of Jupiter. Green, uh, so emeralds and jade. Yeah, those um, are Venusian. Yeah, all Venusian. Yep. Yeah. Then there's the magical powers and weapons, which uh, s- the secret of physical strength, <laughs> and something called the labor of preparation, which, which sounds incredibly different. like gardening. <laughs> Yeah, but, exactly. but I think it actually has to do with preparing ritual, preparing everything right. that has to go into initiation. Yep. Yeah. I think of that actually of, um, for a while I was really interested in, uh, Lukumi in Santeria and, you know, and a friend of mine who is a practitioner was telling me that like being religious in that tradition means like constantly working, constantly preparing sacrifices and feasts and, you know, and it's, it's so much work. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Physical that's a, that's a good, that's a good uh, keyword for the decans of Taurus, sacrifices and feasts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a lot of toil. Physical strength, clearly. The it bull. Is, I don't know. I think it's probably fair to say it's the, the strongest of the signs. In some ways, yeah. In str- yep. Physically. Yeah. yeah, physically, definitely, I would say probably mm-hmm. the strongest. Yeah. I mean, you could argue Leo mm-hmm. as well, being exactly. the sun. Having the heart vigor. But that's another fixed sign, so. Yeah. All the fixed signs are really strong, actually. They are. All right. The lion, the bull, the angel, and the... Um, Scorpion. Yeah, the or scorpion. eagle. Yeah. Or eagle, both symbols yeah. of strength. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just in different ways. Sugar, all sugary things. That's a that's sweetness. Old... Yeah. Sweetness. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, mm-hmm. I think of, I think in um, the Rosetta, I put honeycomb on the six of. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. For sure. That's nice. And the six sides too. That's perfect. Yep. And storax. Storax being a res, one of those resins, sweet resins that drip off trees that you know, create a sweet incense. Let's just run down some themes of Sum it up kind of deal. Yep. We talked about 
fertility, sacrifices and feasts, food, so much food. Um, having and not having. Yeah. The building Resources and possessions. Mm-hmm. Possessiveness and libido. And Sense patience. pleasures. Uh, the Venusian pleasure through senses. Fecundity. The immovable object. Patience. Conservatism. Sanctuary. Stoicism. That's another very Torian quality, being sure. stoic. Mm-hmm. Unifying mm-hmm. and connecting. That's a Venusian part of Taurus. Uh, tending the ground. Slow quadrupeds and ruminants. <laughs> Salt of the earth. Dealing with uncertainty with patience. Yep. Being good in a crisis. Being rooted. Uh, microcosm being, and being, macrocosm. Yep. Being patient. Uh, being a connector. Yeah. Yeah, it's the nail and the bridge, the pontifex. Oh, the nail, the bridge, the yoke, the key in the door. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, all of them. <laughs> yep. Yep. All right. I think that pretty and, much does and it. And the potato. And the potato. a minute. Yes, exactly. All right. So that's Taurus, everybody. Thank you for having the stamina to join us in this plowing of the fields of Taurus. And we will be back next time with the twins, with Gemini. All right. See you then.